I'm going to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 16. We, we're making our way headlong through these kingdom encounters in Matthew, and, and, and it, it's, it's exciting. We've had uh, the feeding of the 5,000 plus in chapter 14. We've had the, the, the feeding of the 4,000 plus in chapter 15. And, and as you turn to chapter 16 this morning, I want to tell you something that I learned this week purely by accident. When you type the phrase, what am I looking for, in your search engine, if you use Google or whatever you use, your search engine wants to complete the statement. And all sorts of options will pop up as possible selections. What am I looking for in a relationship? What am I looking for in my next role? What am I looking for in a company? What am I looking for word to? What am I looking for in life? I mean, all these options just pop up as you type the phrase in. And it's fascinating. We are a society always on the lookout for something, are we not? (laughs) Maybe it's because... We are a society made up of lots and lots of folks who are unsatisfied. We're always searching. And so, this morning I have a question. What, what are you looking for? Maybe it's relief. Maybe it's an answer to a question. Maybe it's a sign. Well, this morning, we're going to see others who are on the lookout as well. So Matthew 16, what happens, Jesus has just finished feeding the crowd of 4,000 plus, and and Jesus and the disciples, they leave that place, and they go to an area called uh, Magadan, and this location is only mentioned one time, and that's Matthew 15, and most likely, they're going to an area that's on the western side of the Sea of Galilee, and And so, as 16 begins, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they come up and and they're they're testing Jesus. And and they ask Him to show them a sign from heaven. And we know who the Pharisees are. But who are the Sadducees, again? That's a name that's only popped up one time, and that was chapters and chapters ago. A Sadducee is a Jewish aristocrat from whom the high priests, they're, they're invariably chosen. So there's a little bit of nepotism there. And, and according to an old Bible scholar named Thayer, the Sadducees, they're distinguished for their birth and their wealth and official position. And, you know, they're not adverse uh, to the favor of the Herod family, who are the Tetrarchs and, and of the Romans. You know, they're not willing. They're willing. They don't have any problem with, with uh, quote-unquote, getting into bed with, with the other with a political regime. They have no problem with that. And, and they try to play nice with the Romans. And these Sadducees, they hate the common people. And they're the opponents, actually, of the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they prefer the... the really, they, don't, they prefer their preferences, their oral traditions of the elders over the Old Testament. And, and, and that's who the Pharisees... That's what they want. But the Sadducees, they acknowledge the authority of the Old Testament, but only in matters of faith and morals. The Sadducees, they deny 
the resurrection of the body. They deny the immortality of the soul. And the Sadducees deny, listen to this phrase, future retribution. These Sadducees, these high priests, they deny the judgment of God. Folks, these are the priests of the Israelites. They don't believe in the afterlife, but they believe in power and privilege. And you know, we have ministers of the quote-unquote gospel today that kind of fall in line with that. You've got to be careful to whom you are listening, as I told the children today. But even as the Pharisees and the Sadducees, even though they are opponents, there's one thing that they can agree on, and that's they despise Jesus. And, and they, they say they want to see a sign from him, but really they want Jesus to perform for them. They, they want to test him. They want to trap him. And this is why they know deep down that Jesus is the evidence of the crumbling reality of the end of all that they've held dear. They know Jesus is signifying what's coming. And, but, but they tell Jesus they really want a circus trick from him. And, and they want something they can see. They want a sign that's actually going to become, in all actuality, the target on Jesus' back. And Jesus replies to them. He, he says, when it's evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you, do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the times? Uh, we've all heard, I, I would think, the, the, the old saying, red sky at night, sailors... And red sky in the morning, sailors, warning, right. And so the old saying is actually rooted in this scripture. Um, you know, there was a time, oddly enough, that Bible reading was more prevalent than nowadays. Uh, but Jesus adds this reply. There, there in verse 4, he adds this reply. He says, an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it, except the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus leaves them and goes away. The sign of Jonah. Yes, we've seen this before. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. Jesus, he leaves the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he crosses the sea, and the disciples, they follow. And the disciples, they, they come to the other side of the sea there in verse 5, but they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus says to them, Watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Well, they begin to discuss among themselves. They're, they hear Jesus and they say, He said that because we didn't bring any bread. These guys kill me. I love the disciples. I mean, their whole deal with bread. I mean, you remember the feeding of the 5,000? And you remember the feeding of the 4,000? And 
You know, as we're reminded about that, I mean, they just, the disciples, they have a hard time seeing the big picture. I mean, they were present at both settings. And they've seen Jesus miraculously break the bread both times. I mean, can you imagine Jesus blessing the bread and breaking it and passing it? <laughs> breaking it, passing it. Breaking it, passing it. And, I mean, they've seen it, right? All right. And they, they made me scratch my head, but then I realized, you know, I'm not really that different. None of us are. Jesus gives this warning of the leaven of the, of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he, he's saying to the, the disciples, watch out and beware. Something they can watch, something they can see. And Jesus uses the word leaven. And we've seen the word leaven several weeks ago in chapter 13, right before Christmas when we were looking at the parables. We spent three weeks looking at the parables of Jesus, and there's a parable regarding leaven. And, and, and to re a reminder of what leaven is, it's figuratively speaking, what it's symbolic of is this spreading influence of what is typically concealed. And leaven is generally a symbol of the spreading nature of evil. Except for when it's used in Matthew 13, when Jesus tells this parable where the spreading influence of leaven is a great image for the kingdom of heaven due to widespread gospel proclamation, gospel advance, and how it kind of takes hold, and, it's, and then it takes flight, and it takes root, and it, and it, and it slowly spreads. And Jesus, you know, he hears the disciples talking, and he's aware of this grumbling. And, of course, the disciples, they hear the word leaven, and the first thing that comes to mind is what? Bread. Who brought the bread, Thaddeus? Did you grab a basket? Philip, where's your bread? You know, they... You know, I, I, see, I see Peter's kind of the, he's kind of the, the head of the, he's kind of the subordinate of the group, and he's saying, where, you know, where, you know, did you, we just, guys, we just had, we had 12, we had seven baskets, we didn't manage to get one on the boat? Kind of like when you sit down at Red Lobster. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind are what? The cheddar biscuits, Right? Do y'all remember Quincy's, home of the big fat yeast roll? We love bread. Well, Jesus has to clarify, and, 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 and he's aware of this there in verse 8. And he says, you men of little faith, why do you discuss among yourselves that you have no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you picked up? Or the seven loaves of the four of the four thousand, and how many large baskets full you picked up? And, and Jesus references these miraculous events there in fourteen, chapter fourteen and chapter fifteen, and it's something that the disciples they've had to see. Jesus asks this question: How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread? but beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mean, he emphasizes this warning that he's just given. He's just given the disciples this warning in verse 6. He's saying, beware. 
Beware. Watch out. So why does Jesus refer to their teaching as leaven? Jesus says, beware. Well, he's giving his disciples, he's giving his disciples a warning to not listen to their skewed theology. I don't have the exact words of Jesus other than what is written here in Matthew. But I could imagine one point Jesus is making is saying, don't be led astray by the Pharisees' dedication to their oral tradition of the elders, which has nothing to do with the Word of God. It's solely a message of preference. It's a message of prejudice, if you remember, against the things which they do not approve. Um, I, I could imagine Jesus saying, meaning, don't be led astray by the Sadducees and their hate of the common people, or of their denial of bodily resurrection, the immortality of the soul, or judgment that's going to come from on high. Can't you just hear the disciples? I mean, I can hear them. Jesus, we would never listen to them. What do you... We're not going to listen to them. We would never cling to our own self-interest. We would never look down on those not like us. We would never become a silent group and a society that ignores warnings of judgment from God. We wouldn't do that. We would never forsake all you've taught us so that we can live for the moment, we can live for today. We'd never do any of that. Just like that. Just like that. What seems so impossible, so impossible in Jesus' day, we see in ours, don't we? It's that ever so slow but ever so deliberate. Glacial speed, we're talking. Slowly, deliberately, this spreading of leavenous evil. You can see it almost encroaching, just slowly. Jesus tells his disciples then, and he, he tells us disciples now, beware. Be careful what you're looking for. Well, then Matthew says there in verse 12, that they understood that he did not say to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So for that moment, they seemed to, to dial in and lock in. I mean, I'm sure they got it. I mean, I mean, I've never had to be told anything more than once. Parents, grandparents, you know. You ever had to say something more than, you know. The disciples, you know, at first they, they misunderstood what Jesus was talking about, to what he was referring. And 
But you know, they've missed some key things that Jesus wanted to show them through these miraculous feedings of, of both the 5,000 plus and the 4,000 plus. Miraculous signs during the feeding of the 5,000 plus, such as God's provision in the midst of desolation. If you remember, you know, it's not unlike what he did for his people in the wilderness there with Moses and the manna from heaven. Uh, miraculous signs such as God bringing salvation for all nations, not just the Israelites. If you remember last week when the 4,000 plus came for healing and Jesus fed them, they were with him three days and, and the, texts said, the text said that these worshipped the God of Israel. See, that's a huge sign. And, and sometimes when we don't know what we're looking for, we, we miss it. What were the last words that Jesus said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees there in verse 4 this morning? An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and a sign will not be given it except at the sign of Jonah. And then Jesus leaves and he goes away. The sign of Jonah. We've read Jonah in our time together. And, and Jesus has already referred to this one time back in chapter 12, back in the fall. And the sign of Jonah is central to this story, and it's not found here in chapter 16 by accident or by simple repetition, but this is key. You, you see, back in Matthew chapter 12, some of the scribes and the Pharisees, they say to Jesus the same thing. Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. And, and Jesus answers and he says, an evil and adulterous generation craves for a sign. Yet no sign will be given it but the sign of Jonah the prophet. And yes, that's the Jonah, the same Jonah that's swallowed by the big fish. And Jesus, Jesus mentions him, and this is why. Old Testament, Jonah chapter 1, this is what happens. The word of the Lord, indulge me for just a minute. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah saying, Arise and go east to Nineveh, the great city. Cry against it because their wickedness has come up before me. See, again, God is a God of judgment regardless of what the Sadducees think. I don't know how you rewrite Scripture, but anyway. The Lord tells Jonah to go east. Preach this word against Nineveh. Nineveh is a city of Gentiles. The Jews see them as unclean. Jonah <laughs> does not want to go to the Ninevites. And so Jonah rises up to flee from the presence of the Lord. And so the Lord has told him to go east. So Jonah, of course, goes west. <laughs> 6,000 miles, possibly as far as 6,000 miles across the Mediterranean Sea. And so the Lord hurls this great wind on the sea, causing this great storm. And the sailors in the boat, they become afraid. And the sailors say, come let us cast lots so that we may learn on whose account this calamity has struck us. And they cast lots, and the lot, as you know, falls on Jonah. They pick up Jonah, they throw him into the sea, and the sea stops its raging. The Lord appoints this great fish to swallow Jonah. Jonah is in the stomach of the fish three days and three nights. And Jonah has a little talk with the Lord, as the old gospel song says. The Lord commands the fish, 
and the fish vomits Jonah up onto the dry land. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, saying, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh. How awesome that the Lord spoke not just once but twice to Jonah. Do we ever think about times in life where we wish that God would have spoken more than one time? (laughs) Jonah goes. Goes to Nineveh. He has an eight-word sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The people of Nineveh, they believe in God. The men of Nineveh, they repent. They turn from their sin at the preaching of Jonah. And that's what Jesus tells the Pharisees there in chapter 12 of Matthew. Three days and three nights with Jonah. What happened when he was in the belly of the sea monster? Well, in Jonah chapter 2, this is what Jonah says. Jonah chapter 2 verse 5, Jonah gives us a recount. He says, Water encompassed me to the point of death, and the great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Weeds wrapped around the head of of Jonah, and and that's not unlike a death shroud. He says, I descended to the roots of the mountains, to the bottom of the continent, the ocean floor where the earth with its bars was around me forever. When I think of bars, I think of prison. And then, Jonah says this, one of the most poignant and powerful verses, not just in Jonah, not just in the Old Testament, but in all of Scripture. Jonah chapter 2, verse 9. Jonah says this, Salvation is from the Lord. Amen. Amen. And in Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees the first time about the sign of Jonah, he says, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus makes a comparison between those three days in Jonah's life and what will be three days that will change creation and history forever. And and, 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 and in Matthew 12... This is the first time that we see anything about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says to the Pharisees, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment. There's going to be a judgment. I don't know where the Sadducees kind of... uh, Anyway, I don't know. The men of Nineveh will stand up and will condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And in Jonah chapter 3, that's we I told you a minute ago, the people of Nineveh, they believe in God, they call it a fast, they put on sackcloth, symbolic of their repentance. The men of Nineveh, they've repented. They've turned from sin at the preaching of Jonah. And then Jesus says in chapter 12 to the scribes and the Pharisees, Behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And he's talking about himself. See, looking back, Jesus takes this example of Jonah, and and then he, he points back to Jonah, and then he points forward to the cross, points forward to the grave, and he points forward to his resurrection. 
And as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea monster, in the heart of the sea, Jesus will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And as Jonah has weeds wrapped around his head, almost like a mummy, and is sunk to the bars of the prison of the earth, Jesus will be freed by the Holy Spirit from the death shroud and will be resurrected and freed from the prison bars of the tomb, changing history and creation forever. Praise the Lord. Death loses its victory because of what the Savior has done. Jesus' shedding of blood brings salvation. And Jonah's proclamation from chapter 2, verse 9, way back in the Old Testament, salvation is from the Lord. In the original language, in the Hebrew, the phrase is salvation of God. And their, their prepositions weren't always clear. It's written, salvation God. Yeshuata Yahweh. And another form of Yeshuata is Yeshua, which is Jesus. Jesus of God. Jesus is God. Jesus God. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. Jonah says, Jesus is God. The men of Nineveh, they repent. They turn from sin at the preaching of Jonah. The men of Nineveh could see it. The Israelites and so many cannot. The Pharisees and the scribes back in chapter 12, you know, they're asking for a sign. And this morning in chapter 16, before Jesus walks off, before Jesus walks off and, and gets in the boat and crosses the sea and leaves there, I believe that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they can see it when Jesus gives them this grave warning. When he says the sign of Jonah, they get it. And what we're going to find out in the next few weeks is that the pace of this story of Jesus and the Gospel of Matthew is going to start picking up even faster. Because it's at this point, things take a turn. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they know the story of Jonah. They know the story of Nineveh. And they hear Jesus say that he is God before he leaves them and before he goes away. And this is the sign they didn't want to see. So I ask you again, what are you looking for this morning? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, you know, they're looking for a circus trick. They, they, they wanted Jesus to put a target on his back, which he did. And the disciples, you know, they're, <laughs> they kind of walk around in a state of confusion. But they may, may not have known exactly what they were looking for, but they would see eventually. 
we're all searching for something. What are you looking for this morning?